Hey folks, this is a special edition of Geeking Off the Page. This isn't our usual format. Some editing will occur. We won't be discussing our usual fare, but we hope that you'll find the topic interesting anyways. Enjoy. So hey folks, uh, this is Trevor from Geeking Off the Page. We're not really doing a Geeking Off the Page right now. Kind of like a little sidebar, but it'll still be interesting, I hope. Hello folks, I'm Mike Kitchen. and. I'm partly to blame for this. So months back, we were looking for topics to discuss. And I had the idea of talking about wizards. And Trevor had some interesting ideas. The other guys weren't as interested. And since they're not here, we thought we'd have have, uh, some fun with it. Sounds good to me. So I'll I'll, I'll kind of introduce this. So Mike had had posted the idea of, um, I mean, at least the way I I, I took it. So when, when we're younger, we're the hero of our own story. Um, just like, you know, we're, we're the Luke Skywalker. We're, you know, we're the, the young hero. As we get older and have kids, we kind of shift more into like the mentor role, kind of like being like the Obi-Wan. And Mike had, had said something to the effect of, you know, when we're kids, like when we're younger, we all wanted to play the fighter in D&D. The guy right out front doing the thing. As we get older, we kind of maybe want to take a half step back maybe play the, the mage. We're still contributing. Um, we're not like, you know, elbow deep in guts at this point. So, right. And I had said, well, you know, if we were going to discuss wizards, the first thing we have to discuss is the fact that Gandalf from Lord of the Rings, in my opinion, is not a wizard. And that was interesting. That was the moment where I thought we have a discussion and you started typing up all your points. It's like, no, 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 we got to save this for an actual um, podcast discussion. So, and, here and again, rewinding things a little bit back in Sheridan, you know, again, we're young kids learning animation, you know, ready to move on to the next stage of our life. And in my head, I had the iconic hero role of the Jedi Knight. So for me, it was always about that, right? Like pulling from the Star Wars lore, like what is the ultimate hero? How do you move forward as a young man in life? Jedi Knight. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that was the archetype. And then once you start pushing towards 50, it's like, no, that's not the role anymore. Like I'm pushing towards Obi-Wan Kenobi at this point. Yeah. And you start looking at all the mentor roles that you have in life. You've kind of gone through all your big battles, but there's future battles coming up and it's the young generation that's going to have to face those battles. And then you start looking at the heroic archetypes that have that story arc. You look at characters like Gandalf, who, in my opinion, is the archetype wizard, which we'll get into discussion. But then you also have people like Obi-Wan Kenobi. You have people like from Naruto universe is Jiraiya. Mm-hmm. It's this old, wizened shinobi who teaches all the future Hokages what they need to learn to move forward. Um, you have Merlin from like the ultra-ancient stories. Exactly. Um, and I would even go as far as to say in shows like The Wire, but the cop, um, Lester Freeman, he was essentially a wizard cop, as far as I go, as as far as archetypes. Um, So that's the kind of stuff that's been rolling around my head. So going back to Gandalf, what did you have to say about that? Um, So, I mean, when I read the books, the the Lord of the Rings trilogy, way, 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 I mean, they describe him as a wizard, Tolkien makes many references that he is the gray wizard. He's the wizard, the wizard. And then when he, you know, he does the fall at, uh, you know, against the Balrog and he's reborn, he is now the white wizard Gandalf. Yeah. But he, he would always kind of rattle in my head is, you know, wizards have a staff and fight with spells. Gandalf pulls a sword all the damn time. The sword that they got from the, 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 the troll cave. Uh, he has that unless he needs sword. to light up a cave or something. Yeah, it, or it, it, like it, shine it, a flashlight in someone's eyes. Yeah, it 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 glows in the presence of orcs, yeah. as most elvish magical blades do. And I remember when I watched Lord of the Rings, I was thinking, you know, Ian McKellen is pulling that sword an awful lot. You know, in in the fight, you know, in in the the, the undercity of Moira, he he's more often than not swinging a sword than casting a spell. Um, and 
you know, the spells he does cast aren't the big like earth shattering fireball or or waving his hand and per- turning people to stone. It's more like magic missile, magic missile, a big flash of light. Um, you know, look over there, sort of thing. Like like the cantrips almost. And I was like, no, is, is he really a wizard? Like, and then when he actually fought a wizard, when he fought Saruman, he got his ass handed to him, mainly because he couldn't get close enough to swing a sword and hit him. So I was thinking, <laughs> okay, he's not a he's he's not a wizard. He's a fighter. He's a smart fighter. He's a fighter like if in D and D terms, he'd be a fighter with an intelligence of eighteen. So he's super smart. Um, he may have taken some feats that allow him to dual wield a sword and long staff at the same time. And it could be a staff of wizardry. And he's taken some wizard feats that allow him to access spells in a staff. Because you notice he never casts a spell without the staff in hand. The closest he does is the animal companion when he whispers to the moth to go get the, the, uh, the, the eagles. But that could have been, you know, something that he has learned along the way. He's taken a feat for, say, one or two spells that he can cast, even, even as a non-wizard, um, almost like a fighter mage or spell sword or something. But all the spells he casts are low-level spells. You know, if he's supposed to be this grand wizard, you'd expect him to be throwing, like, time stop and, you know, high-level, eighth, ninth-level spells, but most of his spells are first and second level spells in terms of like if you're equating them to D&D spells. But think about it. If you're a fighter and you, you relish combat and you're damn good with a sword, do you armor up like Gimli the Dwarf, heavy armor? So the orcs come around the corner and they're like, huh, do we take on the guy in heavy armor ready for us? Or we take the guy in the robes and get close to if we can get close to him in time we're going to hit him before he casts a spell and he's going to be an easy kill if you're a fighter of like great sword skill you're going to want to dress in robes you're going to play that play up the, the idea that oh i'm the defenseless mage come get me they step in thinking they have an easy kill and you turn them into dog meat and that's what it seems like gandalf does all the time is he's the one in the back he pulls the sword and they're like oh we're going to bypass the dwarf dodge a couple arrows from the elf go after this this like unarmored wizard and next thing you know he's got dead orcs around him um when he does the ride through Minas Tirith um trying to save uh uh what's his face the uh the the steward yeah. yeah Boromir yeah um Boromir does he cast a spell to fight his way through the orcs no pulls the sword whacks people in the head with a staff swinging the sword left and right if he's yeah. such a great wizard he should be casting spells left and right freezing people turning them to stone turning them to pillars of fire nope he's swinging the sword so i just feel that he's a fighter but the subterfuge is is he's dressed as a wizard he acts like a wizard he uses his staff of wizardry to cast the spells to appear as a wizard but when the the chips are down he's going to pull that sword first that's his that's his, his his line of defense and attack is that sword with the occasional like look at that last battle you know, when the, the gates of, 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 you know, the gates fall and they have a clear line and there's all the orcs, you see him cast a spell? No. He pulls the sword and he runs around, runs with everybody. Cast a damn spell if you're a wizard. So, yeah, that's my opinion. Okay, so here's the counterpoint. So, like, looking at a lot of these archetypes, I always found that the best wizards are the ones that don't seem like it. And Mark Oakley, Thieves and Kings, he has the wizard Quentin. Perfect example of that. It's just, he seems like this bumbling idiot that just keeps causing trouble. But meanwhile, he's thousands of years old. He has a long game. He's thinking so far ahead that he forgets where he is in time and you know, mm-hmm. starts pulling people from time and sending people forward and you know, packing suitcases to go on vacation. But that's going to start a war somewhere else. Like, you know the actions are so big and so outreaching and it seems so simple, right? Like Mm -hmm. you're doing a simple little thing, but it's going to change the course of history. So going back to Gandalf, like he's the one who's like, yeah, we need a thief in the group. So yeah, let's get this Hobbit. And that ends up creating this entire epic story because the thief 
finds the ring, defeats the dragon, mm -hmm. and ultimately saves Middle Earth. Right. So for me, the wizard archetype keeps doing things like that. Like they're, it's like their brains are so far ahead of the game to the point where they are almost, they're in the woods. Like they don't even know where the hell they are. Like mm -hmm. Gandalf did not know that was the one ring of power. That right? would be my, my point against him being a wizard that if he was playing the long game, when Bilbo uh, left the group and, and interacted with Gollum and got the ring, he would have mm -hmm. kind of foreseen that to happen and let that happen. Yeah, it was more like Bilbo disappeared. They were like, "We don't know where Bilbo." Is. Bilbo's back, and then you know, Bilbo's got this ring that turns him invisible, and he had suspicions that this might be a some sort of ring of power. But it wasn't until they threw it in the fire and realized, "Oh, this is this is the One Ring," and that's when right, Gandalf like, like fifty oh. years later. Yeah, and things and Gandalf he figured said, it out eventually. Yeah, he had to go discuss this with other wizards because he didn't know what to do. Yeah. He he wasn't sure what the, the course of it. So to me, again, that's more of like a, what a fighter would do. It's like, oh, well, someone left the party. Oh, he's back. Okay. And then, oh, he's got something. You know, I'm not saying Gandalf doesn't have power. I yeah. say, I mean, he's long lived enough. He's, you know, he's probably in terms of D&D &D terms, he's probably a 30 or 40th level fighter. This is a guy who's been around the block and he's got enough feats outside of his class to you know let him use the staff let him cast spells he would recognize some things he's probably got you know and through the staff he's got like an identify spell of some sort that mm -hmm. you know this is the steps you need to do and he's probably well read he's associated with wizards like the blue wizard um like saruman so he he's in the company of wizards so that's part of the you know the disguise i guess in some way um but when you're mentioning other wizards who are doing feats of power like pulling people out of time we never see Gandalf do a major power, ever, like ever. He never cast except reincarnate. I mean, that's a but he didn't do that. Someone else did that to him. He didn't do it himself. Right. So, and that could have been a, a maybe an artifact he had on himself that when you know upon death he gets to you know gets resurrected and you know, <laughs> but it's just a matter and it's just yeah we never see Gandalf do a, a big spell like um what was it the Dragonlance series. Uh, they had the character uh, Fizban, who was actually like the greater god of good. That was his avatar form, who was like, bumbling, absent-minded, but would occasionally, you know, it was like, oh, well, I know a, a spell uh, 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 like uh, Slippery Feet. And then he cast an enormous fireball that wipes out all the, you know, bad guys rushing him. And he's like, ooh, that wouldn't, didn't go well. You know, it's Sounds still, like still cast a major spell. So you believe he's a wizard. Yeah. It's just... Gandalf, I mean, yeah, I've gone through the movies. I've even gone through the books. Through The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, not the, not the other Tolkien books, Gandalf never casts a major spell of any sort of... I mean, his, his, his compatriots cast some, some pretty you know, kick-ass magic, but Gandalf never does. And that's why I was like, is, that's why I kept questioning, is he... A, I mean, he's a mentor, yes. He's definitely the, the mentor archetype, but he's not a wizard, but he's playing a wizard. It's almost like Trevor Slattery playing the Mandarin. You know, he puts on the, <laughs> puts on the outfit, does the voice, gets How everyone... How dare you? <laughs> it's just he doesn't yeah, watch... Because so, <laughs> for me, I think even... Like, I agree with what you're saying with the not casting the spells, but... I still think he's the ultimate wizard archetype because when you're in that position, and again, when you're playing that role, because it's not, you know, a book about Gandalf, it's a book about a hobbit, right? So obviously he's not the hero of the story. However, he's the one that's kind of pushing things along, like in the hero's journey, you know, he's the mentor, he's the person that comes to give guidance and push the hero forward mm. into the big adventure, right? And I think anytime you have the most powerful wizards, they tend to do the least amount of things. Like if you look at Yoda in Star Wars, Yoda lifted a whole. I mean, I mean, well, Yoda's he, big he did lift empire. It. He lifted the X-wing when Luke couldn't to show him what he what is possible, right? Gandalf never showed However, he never... Uh, okay, avoiding the prequels because I thought flipping yeah. Yoda was silly. Yeah. But you never see him 
again, not including fighting with Wookiees, because again, I don't. Yeah, but you know, we're, not, just, we're not counting that. We're just counting Star Wars Empire Return back. of the Jedi. Okay. He never really gets into any conflict that shows how powerful he is. Well, he's basically it's... just hanging out in a swamp, knowing that Luke's going to come there and defeat the Empire. Like well, he's, he's kind, again, he's, he's kind like of like a couple steps ahead. He's got like in D&D terms, he's the old old man at the side of the road full of information that you have to stop at and, and get directed to the next. Account. Yes. To me, Obi-Wan was more of the mentor. He was the one that got Luke off of Tatooine, got Luke yeah. onto the Death Star, got Luke off the Death Star and provided the guidance for the fight of the Death Star. And then yeah. said, sacrifice. Yeah, sacrifice. And continues having point, knowledge. Yeah, and reach that point in Empire where he's like, all right, I got to send you to a living person because I can't keep doing this. Go yeah. see Yoda. Yeah, and then still showed up after to to give some some information, and then again showed up in in Return of the Jedi when Yoda died to kind of complete out his arc of being a mentor to to Luke. Mm-hmm. Um, so in my in, in I look at it, Obi Wan was more of the mentor than Yoda. Yoda was the old man at the side of the road, full of information that to get people that were going this way that need to make that turn to to complete the quest. <laughs> right. Um, when I think of a wizard archetype, Merlin. Yeah. To me, Merlin is the the ideal archetype. He, <clears throat> in fact, that's probably the original archetype. Yeah, he's he's the one that um, got Arthur as a young man. You know, sword in the stone. He was he didn't. I mean, he could have probably taken over the country using magic, but that wasn't his role. He was there to guide Arthur. Um, but there was a lot of stuff in the background that he was doing. He was keeping yeah. um, uh, Morgan Le Fay basically, you know, because she was the one using a lot of hostile magic. He was the one countering it without actually looking like he was countering it. Um, you know, he was the one who gave the sage advice about, you know, how to defeat the Green Knight, how to, you know, do this and that. But at the same time, he let Arthur make his own path. He let Arthur make the mistakes. He didn't say, oh, you made a mistake. Let me pull you up out of the mud go again he would say all right these are some things we can do but you've got yourself into this mess you're gonna have to fight your way out to me that's why merlin was more of a the 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 ideal wizard archetype to go for because you know he had magic he would use it sparingly but you know it was there so yeah and what okay so speaking of merlin i typed up some notes on some things i thought that create like the archetype character so um, and this is something I found with most of these wizard archetypes. So the idea that he has many names and alternate histories, mm-hmm. right? So there's something very legendary about him, right? So everybody knows him by different names. There's so many legends that everybody has a different story for the character. Um, something about being touched by evil. And most of them, again, because they're such powerful characters, it's almost like Harry Potter with the, you know, the, yeah, the scar from Voldemir on his head. Um, and again, with the Jedis and the dark side and, you know, that kind of story keeps reappearing for wizards. Um, the idea of uh, fleeing into the wilderness. So like Merlin fled into the forest to live with animals mm-hmm. and received a gift of prophecy and Obi-Wan fled to Tatooine. Um Gandalf I, I mean I guess he's just wandering around the wilderness <laughs> all the everywhere. time but you know yeah so he has no spot where he's located uh the prophetic knowledge that's a huge part like they kind of see where things are going and are able to direct history mm-hmm. um they're almost always an advisor to someone like whether it's the young hero or someone in power uh they've always got a weak spot like there's some sort of flaw in the character, like a Jiraiya for Naruto. No, Naruto calls him pervy sage because he's always, you know, yeah. peeping at young girls while they're yeah. supposed to be training. And even Merlin, um, his undoing came after lusting after what's her name, Nimu? Yeah, Vivian, yeah. the lady at the lake. Well, Gandalf um, has uh, he he smokes a lot of the the halfling leaf the pipe weed. Yeah, yeah. They even make a mention in the books is you know that the halfling leaf has leaf has dulled your senses. So he's He's smoking, yes. you know. <laughs> Maybe that's why it's not casting magic missile. Uh, I can't, can't, I'm hungry. Why can't I cast this spell? <laughs> yeah. Uh, one thing with Merlin was the ability to shapeshift. 
Like mm-hmm. that's an interesting one that shows up. Um, even Drya for Naruto, he's got Sage Mode, and he can also summon Toads and do really weird stuff like that. And then another one with Merlin is the idea that the ghost is able to give prophecies after his death. Yeah. Um, so I those were some of the key points that really make up that wizard archetype. Yeah, it's it's funny. Um, I actually had a friend of mine um, who is huge into Star Wars, um, played the Star Wars RPG. Like, I think he stopped playing maybe five years ago. Oh, wow. I mean, he's been playing it a long time. Like, it's it's long defunct, but he's still playing it. Right. And he said, he asked the question of, if you had to make a character now, what would it be? Mm-hmm. And I said, probably the failed Jedi. And he was like, not just a Jedi? I'm like, no, because playing the young Jedi is just, it's its not who I am. Not anymore. In right. college, yeah, I'd be like, oh, Jedi, absolutely, sign me up. I'll play the yeah. smuggler, I'll play the Jedi. I remember looking through the book going, failed Jedi. Who the hell is going to play a failed Jedi? <laughs> now that I'm older, I'm like, that'd be a great character to play. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'd be like... In a, in a heartbeat, I'd I'd snap up the the failed Jedi and 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 go to town with that. Yeah, and that's why when you you had made that comment, I was like, yeah. As I get older, you know, I'm more into the mentor role than I am the the active hero role. Right. So you fight your battles, and you've won some, you've lost some. You know, you had some future plans that you wanted to do, didn't quite get there, and you're kind of locked in whatever life reality you're in right now Mm -hmm. but then you know you got the young hero coming up it's like okay kid i have some advice for you you know like here's some things that work here's some things that don't you know let's go overthrow the empire exactly like if i have to fall on the sword i'll do it yeah just keep it going well behind me um are the the taekwondo belts yeah and uh at that particular academy, I'm also what's it's part of what's called the leadership program, where we, you know, they're they're training future instructors. Um, so a lot, it's a lot of assisting in class, um, mentoring, you know, the 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 lower rank belts and the younger kids. And honestly, 20 years ago, I would have probably had no interest. Close, probably close. Like when we were in college, 30, 25 years ago, I would have had no right. interest in being part of this leadership program. Zero interest. Now. I have more fun as part of the leadership program. I mean, yeah, I, I like learning the techniques. I like doing the forms and all that stuff, but I get a bigger kick out of helping the younger crew learn. Yeah. So it's like, you know, Oh, this is how you do a proper kick. This is especially you know, sparring, keeping your hands up, kicking in combos, looking for the weakness of your opponent, like, you know, backing up when they throw and as the recovering go in and score. I, I've even said to them, you know, sometimes I wish I still had the flexibility that I could show you exactly what I'm saying but I'm going to have to do it verbally. Um, but it's, I know they have the flexibility, but it's, they don't have the experience. Right. And I am, you know, in that mentor capacity, I am more than happy to share my experience with them and make them a better fighter. So we have like a tournament coming up in a month and a half and I'll probably compete, but I'll probably end up volunteering and helping out, you know, judging, you know, help setting up venues and whatnot and coaching the, the kids from my particular academy through their forms, their breaking and their, their sparring, I'll probably get a bit of bigger kick of that because in some way, when I see a medal around their neck, it feels like the medals around my neck too. And yeah. that's, that's what, kind of what I get out of it. Yeah. I found the same thing coaching hockey with the kids. Like that's yeah. one thing. I mean, it's, you partly feel like a general behind the bench because you're sending out forces to different positions and coming up with strategies but still there's something of that, you know, sort of wizard archetype uh, when you give the mentorship to the kids. Yeah. But you yeah. see a kid that's struggling and you're able to elevate them or you see a kid who's not quite a team player go out there and thinks he can do it all by himself, but you put him into a leadership role where he brings the whole team around him. Mm-hmm. And we had a lot of success with the teams where, I was sad when the COVID happened because all three of my sons were ready to go into first place competitions, finals, right before everything got shut down. So that was yeah. a bit of a drag. At the same time, just knowing that you were able to bring 
you know, three different groups up to that point and just see the kids' faces light up and enjoy the sport. Mm-hmm. So again, whether you win or lose, or if you're the best team or the worst team, doesn't matter. But just that leadership role. Yeah. And there's yeah. something so fulfilling about that, like almost more fulfilling than playing the game. And I love yeah. playing the game, but watching other people play the game. Yeah, 100% behind. I mean, to me, it's when you see that spark of comprehension in their eyes, you're explaining yeah. something and you just see that spark in their eyes of you just see like the switch went on. They got it. And you're yeah. like, yes. And then when they do it and you're like, you've got it, you've got this. It's, yeah. it's just to me, it's almost better than doing it myself. Exactly. Like, because I know I've had I've moments taken... like that with hockey where you watch the shift. It's like, oh, if they were just in that position, they would have scored. So they come back on the bench. Listen, go to the net, go there, wait for the puck. It's coming. They go mm-hmm. up next shift, goal. They come back with the biggest smile on their face. It's like, yeah. You got it. And they don't forget it from that point on. You know, that little bit of information, that little bit of wisdom you gave them, it's now theirs. And when you see them utilize it without you having to tell them to do it, and then yeah. you're like, all right, they're, 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 they were here and now they're here. And, you know, they're, you know, they're just going to keep getting better and better. Yeah, yeah. COVID kind of sucked because we were stuck doing Taekwondo through TV, through Zoom oh, and stuff right. like that. And Lots when they started punching the TV, well, you, yeah, you're basically just, you're, you're, you know, the TV's there, the instructor's there and they can see you because we had cameras on the top of the TV. Um, but it's not the same as being there in person. And because they're, I mean, right. they're looking at the screen is just covered in, in video boxes. So it's hard to concentrate or because when you're in the class and you know, like everyone's say doing lifting kick, you can tell at the corner of your eye when you see someone doing it wrong. And, you know, as an assistant, it takes no time. Just go over there and stand beside them, watch what they're doing. Say, all right, try lifting your knee a little higher, get your hands under your chin. And then you can see that spark of comprehension when it all comes together. And then they start, and then you don't have to say another word to them and they're doing it. And you're like, yes, this is another person who's on that path. Um, And it's funny. It's it's like, yeah, I kind of get a bigger kick out of being the mentor instead of being the hero. So, yeah. Okay. So as far as wizard archetypes, because I still hold that Gandalf's probably one of the biggest archetypal wizards. I know you say sword fighter, he, but he, he's a wizard in disguise. He's a sword fighter in disguise. He's yeah. just he's taken a but, really good disguise. But what would you say are some? Okay, you said Merlin, but do you yeah. have any other examples that you would say as being like um, the best definition of a wizard that you perceive I mean, for as me, being? Merlin's like at the top of the pyramid in terms of you know wizard archetype, mentor yeah, archetype. I agree with um, that. Coming off of him, I mean, I've got Obi Wan Kenobi. They even described him as that crazy old wizard in the desert. Yeah, you know. Second, they said, it, I'm like, all right, he's got to be that wizard, and he was. He was the yeah. the mentor archetype. Um, there, I mean, there's other shows I can think of where they have that, you know, that that person who has all that sage advice, that that experience you're drawing upon, um, who makes the sacrifice. I mean, as stupid as it sounds, Quint from Jaws, the shark hunter. Okay. He passed on his, he was passing on his, how to tie knots. He was teaching the chief how to tie knots. He would give vice like, you know, yeah. you know how you measure a shark when you see it from, from the, the tip of the dorsal to the tail. He was still, he was giving all the sage advice about yeah, shark hunting. That. He made the sacrifice. You know, when the shark finally got on the boat and grabbed, he made the sacrifice and, and they even mentioned, oh, you know, these, these bottles will explode and, you know, all the information was given to, to, to Brody. So in my mind, Quint was kind of like that wizard archetype. He was that mentor archetype. Yeah. Now, he was there to kill the shark himself because he wanted the money. But it, he, he could have just, you know, he could have clammed up during that whole trip and not told the chief a single thing. But mm-hmm. he was kind of like in, in training, like in teacher mode while they were going out, while they were hunting the shark, while the shark was hunting them. Yeah. So that would be another one that's, it, it was a kind of like a, I mean, it wasn't until I watched Jaws recently that that suddenly clicked. I was like, oh, my God, Quint's a wizard. He's, he's, the, he's that mentor. He's the, the shark hunting mentor. Son of a bitch. That's great. So, yeah. And, and the second you start, you, it's like second you come to that realization, you start seeing it in more and more shows. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll see like the, you know, the, the, 
that, that it some, doesn't always have to be the old man or the old woman that has the information. It could be just a colleague of the same age, but someone who has that information that helps the hero take that next step when they're floundering or yep. take that next step when they wouldn't have. In the beginning. Like until Luke met Ben, he would never have left Tatooine. I mean, he wanted to go uh, to the Academy, right. but you know, his uncle had him under lock and key. He wasn't going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and without Ben there to push him, he never would have left Tatooine. He, he would have been a moisture farmer. The empire would have, you know, blown up a couple of planets and, you know, <laughs> life continues unabated. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So back to Gandalf then. So he pushed the hobbits out of Hobbiton. He pushed Bilbo out. Yeah. Um, I think he was Frodo he, as well. Well, I think he was forced to, to take Frodo out because Bilbo was too old to return the ring. Mm-hmm. Bilbo would never have survived the journey to get the ring back to um, the volcano to destroy it. And he knew that. And he knew that, you know, Bilbo was talking about retiring, you know, and so he's like, all right, this ring and that's, and Gandalf was the one that said, well, this ring has to go to your nephew. You can't keep it with you. You got to pass it on. Yeah. And in Gandalf's mind, passing it on to take it to destroy it, you know, for, the, for everyone to take a nice long marathon walk. Um, I still honestly believe they wanted him to use the Eagles. That whole fly you fools was him trying to tell them to go take the Eagles. Stop walking. <laughs> it didn't have to be three movies. Of I like walking. that. Yeah. Well, it, it says fly you fools. Well, take them literally people fly. <laughs> um, so, because the thing is, is Bilbo in his memoirs had mentioned the giant eagles and they were in the yep. battle of the five armies at the end of the Hobbit. So Frodo had to have known about the goddamn eagles. All of them probably did at some point. And Legolas probably could have found the means to summon them. Anyways, uh, that's beside the point. Like Gandalf does fit the role of mentor, but just not as a wizard mentor. That's that's for me. That's the distinction. You know, he's just like Quint. What makes the difference then? If you know, if the Jaws fisherman can be a wizard archetype. Well, I didn't say he's not a wizard archetype. He's a mentor archetype. Oh, a mentor archetype. Okay. So you can be a mentor but not be a wizard, and you can be a wizard not being a mentor. But that was a little harder to do. So what makes it a wizard? Is it just the spells that you cast? Is like or the magic or like what is it that would define the archetype? Um. Because for me, I in, like my opinion is it's more character arc. There is definitely power, but it's more of the yeah the archetype of the character in the role they play. Well, I in think the overall the, the archetype has to help the hero grow into who they're to, who they're going to become. Mm-hmm. Um, Bilbo, but does it need magic? Does it need spells? I, I don't think it needs magic. But did Gandalf turn Bilbo into a thief? Um, you know, I I don't sort think of by did. kicking him out the door, in my opinion. Well, he kicked him Again, out the door. It's the long but, game, but, but it's not. But the thing is, he never taught him anything. He's not like here's how to pick a lock. Here's how to walk silently. Although the adventure taught him all that. But right I by mean, the time it, he's done, he's basically like a savage little fighter. Yeah, but the thing is, is if you take Gandalf out of trumpets. that equation and just have the dwarves pushing him along, he would have probably learned all the same things. The mentor, oh, really? I think, in some way, has to shape the hero into the into the hero who's going to so uh obi-wan taught luke a little bit of the force you mm-hmm. know got him swinging the lightsaber um merlin you know basically helped get arthur to where he was you know when he pulled the sword he didn't know what the sword could do didn't know any of that and merlin kind of steered him towards becoming king and become the king that camelot needed that the country needed and mm-hmm. so that's how, but I don't know if Gandalf really steered Bilbo or really steered Frodo as much as said, let's go that way for, for Frodo and, and for, for Bilbo it was just like, we're going to go that way. And you got a whole gang of dwarves behind you. So don't get crushed underfoot. Yep. Um, yeah. So it's, it's like, I mean, there were certain key events in like the Hobbit where I'm like, man, for, for, for such a great wizard, Gandalf got really got caught unaware. Like when he took off and then the, left the dwarves to get captured by the trolls, and then it was Bilbo that figured it out. It's like, yeah, if you've got a little bit of foresight, don't you think like, hmm, there might be trolls in this area. Why don't I stick around? If I got this magic, I'd probably be pretty helpful yeah. to fight against some trolls. 
for me, that's one of the fun things about like what I consider the wizard archetype is that flawed nature, right? It's like you got too much stuff on the go. It's like, you guys go that way because I have to go do this thing. Like, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Oh, you almost got eaten by trolls. Like, ah, you figured it out. It's <laughs> yeah, all good, yeah. right? You guys are okay. Yeah, you're fine. Now, there was a, uh, oh, God, what was it called? The, the Shinara series. Um, I don't know that. If you ever, it was really a bunch of, bunch of really thick books. And they, there was a character of the Dark Druid who was always, okay. you know, kind of like Gandalf, always, always wandering around, stirring stuff up, trying to make sure that, you know, the forces of evil were held at bay and the forces of good were doing what they were supposed to do. And they, at one point in one of the books, someone had said, why do you keep running off when things get that they're worse? And there was a prophetic line where he says, I'm making sure that what goes worse doesn't become tragic or doesn't become lethal for you. And at one point where he does break off from the group and they're like, you're doing it again. You're just walking us into danger and walking away. And then he's like, okay, follow me then. And you see the shit he goes through to stop whatever. So they get attacked by some creature and he's stopping the rest of the creatures from getting them all at once. They they just faced one and he's facing like 50. And you're like, all right. So when you want to break off, you, you go ahead. That's we'll take whatever's coming down the road for us, knowing that you've head off, you know, or he would go off and have to, you know, stop something else that's going on that later in the book, when they encounter it, they're like, it's not quite as so bad. They're like, Oh, that's, 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 that's okay. And he's like, yeah, you should have seen it here a month ago when the dark army was riding <laughs> through and I stopped them. Right. Well, that's very Gandalf as well, though. Like he leaves the party and he goes to see Saruman. He, and he, goes, he figures out that he's a traitor and gets captured and you know he's got a big thing going on or even would, oh, what's it uh helm's deep yeah right where he takes off and he brings the army well he, he just goes to get the riders of rohan and it, which takes him a while yeah. to do by the way yeah i mean it's it's a giant army of guys on horseback are they that well, he's hard been to smoking find? his pipe so you know <laughs> yeah, he's like i'll be back when the when the pipe weed's done Stop at a 7-Eleven, cure yeah. the munchies, go find some riders of Rohan. Yeah, oh, relax, man. We got this. Wait for me on the third day. Look to the eastern sky. We'll be there. Yeah. And that was the other thing is, you know, they come over the hill. Does he cast a big flare spell to blind the Orc ar- the, the Urquai army? No, he uses the sun behind him. But that's the thing. He didn't need to. It's And there's something about that. Cast a goddamn spell. A lot of my favorite wizard characters... It's always the simple stuff. Like they, you know, you, you could cast giant fireball, but you got the sun. Like okay, when they yeah, when, the, when the they're they're riding in when the uh, the Nazgul are showing up, and he casts that big flare of light. Why not cast a goddamn lightning bolt? Knock that big damn beast out of the air. Why <laughs> wait? I mean, this thing's swooping through the army left and right, and you're like, woo! It's almost like he picked up his phone and went. Take a picture, selfie with a flash on. <laughs> Come on, it worked. Bolt, knock it down. It did, and things that didn't deter it. That's true. Yeah, and then lightning the, bolt would be cooler. Yeah, the, the, I'll the, give you the, that. What's her face? The girl had to take down the the beast, and which was two chops to behead it, and then take down the Nazgul himself. But yeah, Gandalf could have cast a lightning bolt. That that would have been helpful. I would have. I'll I probably would have saved a good 30, 40, 50 riders of Rohan at that point before it finally decided to land and, and you know, yeah. and swung a giant morning star around. But yeah, it's, that's why I was like, I'm, I'm less, less of the camp that Gandalf is a wizard. He's a mentor, but he's not a wizard. He's a very smart fighter, super smart fighter, which in some ways, I think I make him smarter than a wizard, you know? Disguise your weak, disguise your strength as your weakness to draw in your opponent. So if you're that, I like good that idea sword, as a character. Yeah, if I mean, you're I that still, good of a, personally, I still think Gandalf is a wizard, but I do love that idea of a concept of yeah. just if you're ah, that good of a swordsman. Good with a sword, but yeah, if you're that good of a swordsman, you want people to rush you. So if you look like you're the weak wizard dressed in robes going oh don't hurt me don't hurt me and they get close enough and out comes the sword and then you're like boy you guys screwed up 
<laughs> you know, that's hiding your biggest strength as your weakness and letting people think as that is your weakness is that's how they're going to defeat you. And so they come running in by the droves. Like look at all those Urkai and all those orcs that thought just a weak old wizard in, a, in some robes. You know who that face... reminds me of? Who? Princess Bride. Dread oh, Pirate. yes. Yes. Dread I mean, Pirate that's Roberts. essentially the, that's the character archetype you're talking about right there. Yeah. When he's, you know, they do the sword fight and he's like, I got a secret for you. I'm not left handed. He's like, I got another secret for you. Neither am I. Yeah. To me, that was but one of the, the fact that it's this the Dread Pirate. It's like, I'm ah, just good with sword. Like, yeah. It's the know, reputation. Legend builds up around the character. Exactly. Although he did make that climb up the cliff. He did do he, that. He was, he's a little winded at the top, but he still did it. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's yeah, that I've always been thinking about that role of mentor in movies, like mm-hmm. um, or you know, books or games or anything. It's it's a role that yeah, as when we were in college, a role I would never take. I did not yep. want to play the mentor character. I did not I no, no interest. Once you, I I feel once you you get older, especially after you have kids, yeah, you're like mentor role. I'll take that one. Yeah. Which is is interesting. Like, how would that affect, you know, if you had to play D&D now, how would that affect your play style? Would you be like, you know, the younger kids like, all right, you guys, the fighters, you go run up ahead. I'll stay back here. (laughs) I'll cast some spells. Okay. Here's a funny story. Um, So I'm up here at the cottage with my three boys. And they have this card game called Bang. So mm-hmm. it's like a cowboy card game. I don't know if you've played that one before. I have. So they said, Dad. <laughs> okay, I've never played it before, but sure, I'm game. So I became the sheriff. <laughs> and so I'm like, you know what? I don't know who my deputy is. So I'm just going to let this game play out. So they're shooting each other and doing things. Like, still don't know who it is. It got to the point where like, dad, this game's taking really long. I don't think we've ever had a game that's lasted this long before. <laughs> right. So I was like, no, I'm just going to sit in the sidelines. You guys figure out where things are. I thought my son Marcus was um, the villain, like whatever the main bad guy is. Yeah. Like, the one who's supposed to massacre everyone. Turns out he was the deputy. He's got very shady eyes. So I was completely <laughs> wrong on that. But again, it, it does affect your gameplay style. Right, it does. it's like I'm not going out and just like guns a blazing. It's like, no, you know what? Let's just take a step back. We'll see what you guys do, and we'll try and control the situation. Mm-hmm. It's funny. It's it's. I mean, would you have played that same way 25 years ago at Sheridan the Freak? Oh Pins? hell no! I'd be shooting oh. everybody. <laughs> You'd be like, let's go. <laughs> yeah. First card I had was the Gatling gun or whatever it was. It's like I. <laughs> My first instinct was like, I could just spray them all. It's like, no, one of them's my friend. Let's <laughs> let them work it out. I'll fall on the sword if I need to, but no, so it's fun. And it's exactly what you're saying. It's a completely different gameplay style than yeah. what we would have done 25, 30 years ago. And it's, it's funny to, when you come to that realization, you're like, have I changed that much? And you're like, yeah, yeah, I guess I have. And I'm okay right. with it. Yeah. So yeah, it's 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 interesting in you know growing up, you know, especially our time when we were in the freak pit. I I mean, I, in the back of my mind, I was like, oh god, whoever who's who's going to get saddled playing that mentor sort of role? And it was usually the DM had to, you know, oh fuck, okay, screw it, I'll I'll <laughs> yeah. incorporate into the old man sit at the side of the road to kind of get you guys to, you know keep nudging you back onto the onto the story yeah. path um and that you know nowadays i'd be like yeah i'll 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 volunteer to play the the the, the mentor role in this one um yeah. it's it's so odd but at the same time it just feels right doing it that way yeah yeah and like like you know when i equate it back to Ecuador, i am more than happy to let my daughter you know she's the black belt she can she's the one leading the charge and i'm i'm fine with that I'll, I'll instruct her. I'll mentor her. I have no interest being on the front line. It's, it's not yeah. who I am anymore. Yeah. But then at the same time, like taking on that role, if it came down to it, you'd be the one to take the sword, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. If, if, you know, so I, that's I, the I, thing. It's like, no, this is your battle. And then 
no, I have to step in. If that means self-sacrifice, mm-hmm. that's okay. Like, yeah, this I'll... is the future generation's story at this point. Yeah, I'll take the hit that to, so that they can get their hit in on the other person. Yeah. Which is, it's fun to see that in movies because um, it's, it's a writer and director that realize that's kind of like the mentor's role is to push the hero to that point and then say, all right, now I'm going to step in front of you to take this one shot so that you can continue on and finish your story the way it should go. Yeah. So again, like, as I've said, all these podcasts, watching Naruto, and there's that mm-hmm. character Jiraiya, who is one of the legendary Sanin, and he never really took it seriously, really, you know, like, they wanted him to be Hokage, it's like, no, 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 give it to someone else, I got better things to do, <laughs> you know, I'm just gonna hang out with toads and try and track down my former partner who's turned into an evil snake, and yeah, I got other things to do. You got things to do. Yeah. <laughs> But in the process, he trains the next Hokage. And that Hokage, his son, becomes Naruto, who's the main character. Jiraiya wrote a book with Naruto as a character, which is why his student named his son Naruto was because of the book. And then he comes back, trains Naruto. And then when it all comes down, oh, not only that, he also trains the main villain of the story arc. Oh, that's good. Right? No, so he, he, he's training all these super-powered people. <laughs> like, anybody who trains with Dry is, uh, you know, just an ultimate power in the universe. Quality education. Yep. And then, when it comes down to it, he, it's self-sacrifice. He realizes, like, oh, crap. I know who this guy is. I know I'm dead. So, I'm going to carve this password on a toad. Send the toad back to the village. Now you know what's going on. And I'm done. It's like, boom. Out. So, again, that's part of that role at that point. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys take the leadership roles. You guys be the main character of the story. But when it comes down to it, it's like, okay, I can step in here, get things done, do the self-sacrifice, and let the story move on. Now, as a side thing. Yeah. Return of the Jedi. Okay. Do you you feel Vader took that role of self-sacrifice for Luke? When he took out the emperor, he did. Because I would put Darth Vader as an evil wizard. No, he was also a knight, but mm-hmm. he was yeah, like a wizard knight. So when he did the flip, I could see that. Yeah, I it's... mean it's also like a father taking the hit for his son. Yeah. But... There was actually it, it, so on a side note, someone um, on on Reddit did a whole bunch of so Disney owns Star Wars. Yes, if Disney, you know, also owns Marvel and, and the whole what if idea, so they posted a whole bit of what ifs for the Star Wars universe. Okay, what if Qui Gon Jinn wasn't killed? How would that affect Anakin? You know, he raises Anakin. Qui-Gon Jinn accepted, you know, that you had to have emotion, that Jedi couldn't be emotionless. So he would have helped Anakin avoid all the pitfalls and Anakin not turn into Darth Vader. Um, What if, uh, you know, Anakin never turned at the end of, you know, Revenge of the Sith, but he said, no, 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 wait wait a second, I'm doing this all wrong. So before he killed all the younglings, said, no, no. So in the fight with, in the (laughs) office with the Emperor, he turns to Mace yeah. Windu and says, let's take this guy down or let's re- arrest this guy. How would things unfold from there? You yeah. know, the empire never rises to power. Yeah. Um, and he still has, you know, his twins, Luke and Leia. Padme's still pregnant at that point. Uh, it was interesting. It was, this guy, I, he listed out like 20 or 30 different what-if scenarios for Star Wars, mainly centered around the Skywalkers. Um, mm-hmm. um, and a couple with Obi-Wan, like what if Obi-Wan had been killed by a, a, a crate dragon, um, before, <laughs> <laughs> before Luke, uh, found the droids, you know, things would have turned out That'd be the end. Roll call. Yeah, I, I think, uh, uh, Luke would have been taken out by a sand person and credits roll. Yep. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a bunch of, of ones like, like what if Greedo did shoot first? What if he shot hand in the back as they were walking to the table? You know, 
because at that point it was dead or alive a hand was worth money so suddenly luke and, and crew don't have a way off easily yeah so yeah it was it was interesting it was all sparked because you know disney plus is showing what if marvel's what if they're like well disney owns star wars as well can they do some what ifs too so <laughs> so that's just a reddit thing I yeah, it started, it started on Reddit, it. and it's it's gone on a on a couple of different sites, and people are just keep adding to it. Oh, okay, so they'll just take a, a you know, what if Darth Vader had not interfered with the Emperor, you know, Zap and Luke? What if he had just stood there and let it happen? Mm-hmm. It's a, a you know, at that point, do they go after Leia? Does Leia go after them? You know, at that point, the the Battle of the Second Death Star takes a a much worse twist because. You know, without uh, you know the emperor going down the shaft, um, I don't think the rebel fleet would could have destroyed the second Death Star. Yeah, I guess. I wonder how that would work. See, this is why I like what ifs, because yeah. again, if you're in storytelling, right, you like mm-hmm. being creative and writing and things like that. It makes your brain start firing. So, in the case of the Death Star, like, would it blow up and they'd be dead anyway? Yeah. Or would there be, you know, like, who knows? He was a little bit distracted at the time. Millennium Falcon was already going down the shaft. Like, yeah, him and Wedge. I don't know. Lando and Wedge were going down there. I mean, he, he would he could have used the force to divert their shots, you know? Yeah. Or they so. just blow up and there's no more Jedi. <laughs> but again, you know, the sequel trilogy kind of ruined that anyway. So yeah, I, I, I don't I, know. I, I, I'm kind of ignoring the whole sequel trilogy. <laughs> oh, I've I've never uh, had Troy's a gonna hate to hear that. Trevor and Michael went on for a while longer to other non-related topics. Come back next week when we return to the normal, well, normal for us, geeking off the page format. Thank you for watching and or listening. And now, our usual outro. You've just been listening to Geeking Off the Page with your hosts, Mike Kitchen and Trevor Brown. Please be sure to like, subscribe, and share. Also, if you could leave us a rating and comment, that would assist in allowing others to find this podcast more easily. You can follow the podcast on the following social platforms. Instagram and Twitter, search for at PlanetGeekPod, all one word. On Facebook, search for Planet Geek Productions. Or you can send us an email to planetgeekpod at gmail.com. Buy the guys a coffee by going to ko-fi, spelled out K-O-F-I dot com slash planetgeekpod. And know that any and all donations will go towards improving all current and future Planet Geek Productions programs. Thank you for listening.